podcast, The Final Frontier. These are the conversations of the friendship Matt Myra and Andrew Secunda. Their continuing mission. To seek out old adventures with contrived civilizations. To boldly watch episodes that one of them has watched before. Hey everybody, welcome to Star Trek The Next Conversation, your weekly guide to all things TNG. Oh, have we got a TNG for you today. I'm Matt. I'm Andy. And, uh, well, you know, we start this off the same way every week. Usually my answer is pretty similar. Here's an answer for you. Matt, would you have them watch this episode? If you hate yourself, I mean, go ahead, waste the time. <laughs> I fit the whole thing in. I was shocked. I was like, how's he going to get all that, that critique in there? You <laughs> found a way. I did it. Pete finds a way. So weird to watch that episode. Uh, yeah. This one. I had concerns when I saw episode, the uh, trailer last week. Perfect. And my mate. concerns were founded. Yeah. This, the, uh, next, the next episode as well. Uh, yeah, the next two episodes, and then we get two, three, we get three really good ones in a row after that. So the next two episodes are bad. I believe so, if I remember correctly. And then we get three really good episodes. We get Iborg coming. We've got Uh Inner Light coming. We've got, uh, the next phase coming, which is one of my favorite. I think I've, I've seen, uh, Iborg and Inner Light. I believe yeah. I've seen in a, I bark in the next phase is Picard, a, so. some heavy roll Aaron, Andy. Huh? Heavy roll Aaron in the next phase. Exciting. Yeah. I did a little roll Aaron research um, off of a hail, which I'll get to. Oh, that's exciting. Um, but yeah, I mean, other than the fact that we tortured ourselves and watched this episode, nothing else to say except pff, let's go to the Admirals Club. Why not? Go to iTunes, leave a five-star review, and join the Admirals Club. Matt, how do they get into the Admirals Club? Well, Andy, it's very easy. All they have to do is go to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review, and you will be eligible to have your Admiral Club review read on the show, but if you've written it, you're already in. Reviews just like these are first from Big Head Trucker, it's entitled A True Review. The first duty of a podcast listener is truth, to give true reviews based on what they hear, which is why I can't say this is the best podcast out there. Neither can I say it's the worst. It's somewhere in between. Oh, if you want we'll to revel that. in two fellas trying to get the hang of podcasting, now hundreds of episodes in, this one is for you. Matt and Andy gives you <laughs> songs, ratings, opinions inside baseball, and oh yeah, Star Trek. I'm going to keep listening, all because I'm waiting for, quote, something big. Oh, I can't wait for something big. Uh, Um, Thank you for that very all-encompassing hail. Really hit all the finer points of our show. Really very detailed. Um, Our next one is from one of our our brethren up in uh, the Great White North, uh, Zachariah Seville. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, who writes, what a podcast, the banter and hard-cutting honest analysis, oh, sorry, the banter and hard-cutting analysis from a writer's 
perspective make for a fun yet insightful listen. I came for the trek, but stayed for the nonsense. 9.5 out of 10 Andes. It would be 10, but your 7.5 rating of the final Picard episode knocked off half a point. Frank Sinatra, come on, guys. Code of Honor <laughs> made more sense than this. Still love the show, though. Look, I had to. I, I said long before <laughs> we got to that episode that if they, um, if it ended with Picard trying to talk his way out of it and not a giant space battle, it would get a couple more points for me, and it did. That is fair, man of my word. You're a man of your word. And then the last admiral admittee is. Uh, I don't know. That, is he a way, friend of the show? On, it's Dave. On. Yeah, that sounds like the fucking perfect admiral name in Star Trek. <laughs> admiral admiral Admitty. Admitty. <laughs> <laughs> That guy's got to be a douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. A Klingon can't be in Starfleet. It'll what are you, Admiral like Admitty? <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, it is from Dave Amiot. And I always, I never remember. <laughs> Dave, Dave is a, you know, he... Uh, He's a rabble rouser. I know him in real life. Uh, He used to. He's a. We do stand up at my open mic. I used to do at Meltdown Comics. Yeah. Uh, Nerdy guy from you know the same ilk as us, but with a finer eye at the minutia. Well, there you go. That's Uh, how I would describe Dave. His uh, his handle is lusty lazy customizer and he said even though i've given matt and andy a hard time on twitter occasionally this remains an excellent podcast that had hundreds that had provided hundreds of hours of joy and laughter oh good you go dave we appreciate that thank you dave and dave is Uh, dave literally is always on there on on twitter to to clean up our messes I, I don't. I don't know if you want to pat pat him on the back. <laughs> My memory is he's been been had oh. some uh, some troublesome attitudes at certain points. <laughs> Look, <laughs> we've had some of our own. Oh, we sure do. <laughs> ne- never endingly. Yeah, uh, that's it for the Admirals Club, buddy. Oh well, then let's head on out. And uh, I mean, we could go through this door. And that was the Admirals Club to the President Circle. Oh, the President Circle, everyone. If you want to get here, all you got to do is go to patreon.com forward slash Star Trek TNC and become a patron of our show at the 1701 level, where you'll be given, uh, as long as we can do it, four bonus episodes a month. I'm talking a Marvel movie. An episode of, uh, of Star something. Trek Voyager. What else are we doing? At the yeah, at the at the. At the oh, we got actually the I can say them all. You get you get the Enterprise watchdown. You get the Voyager watchdown. You get the Discovery watchdown. You get the Marvel watchdown. All if you're a president. And if you're at the lieutenant's level, you get the Enterprise and you get Disco. Ugh, um, what a bargain! And. Uh, if you, uh, I'm, I'm doing a subspace messages. It's not a subspace messages anymore. It's priority one messages. Because if you're anywhere on the Patreon, then, uh, then you get priority access. And I look at those hails first. Um, I love it. And, we should uh, have, a, we should have a priority one sound clip. Beg your pardon? We should have a priority one sound clip. Well, what we should have is a Christopher Pike Medal of Valor. Uh, yeah, look, beggars can't be choosers here. 
Whatever you want. <laughs> That's us. We're beggars, and we can't choose. I thought you were. I thought you had a, had one ready to go. That's why you were bringing I, I, it up. I didn't, but I said we should have. Okay, here we go. Ready? I have one, Andy. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Oh, great! There you go. Um, really, the problem is that all of the there's lieutenants level also get priority one message access. It's just the presidents get a little bit more. It's all it's all look, a class system. Look. I'm not going to pretend it's not. It is what it is. Lieutenant Commander Cosmo Moore uh, writes us. Uh, I believe just had a, a new a new newborn, another newborn, <laughs> an additional newborn to the child he already had, which is not really a newborn. Anyway, congratulations, Cosmo. This has nothing to do with that. The Enterprise D, uh, being the luxury cruise ship that it is, I'm surprised that there isn't an actual restaurant with a chef. Yeah, you got 19 forward, but it would be nice to get an actual dining experience. Have you ever YouTubed the VR-1701D walkthrough? There are a lot of bar lounges on there. There really are. There are quite a bit of bar lounges all over the Enterprise. What is that information based on for that VR? Uh, blueprints. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, why didn't they ever... Man, I, they, that's, man, I would why, be in there on, constantly. Andy, <laughs> you're asking why didn't they ever show it? They didn't want to build it. <laughs> Particularly if money wasn't a wasn't a question, I would oh, be, just sure. be in there more than the holodeck. Yeah. Um, our next uh, priority one message is from Jerry Canavan, Lieutenant Jerry Canavan, who says, "I think the debate between Matt and Andy on the nature of truth points to the larger sense." Do you remember this? It's hard to forget. Oh, I mean, went it was on an forever. Hour of our show. <laughs> um. Uh, points to the larger sense that TNG era Picard had a somewhat naive understanding of the Federation that gets undercut in the later series, especially DS9. When you have Starfleet much more clearly operating as a security force with Section 31 as the Federation's secret essence, mm-hmm. it's a lot harder to say that the first du- duty is to truth. It seems clear that the non-Picard leadership of Starfleet would commit any crime and happily cover it up in the name of Federation security. Hmm. The episode I kept wishing Andy would bring up uh, was Clues, where Picard very clearly subordinates truth to other values twice, unless we retcon it to suggest that Data knows he eventually has to give up the truth about what really happened. Picard knows, uh, throws truth right out of the airlock there. And then uh, there were a couple of other people that Wait, had... Wait, but yeah. isn't he... That whole episode is about him digging for the truth. It is, but then at the end, he does decide to misrepresent the truth. He decides to lie, basically, at the end. Oh, as the only way to save his ship. Yeah. Well, you know, that's where you get into a weird area. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure that the people from Starfleet would argue that uh, Section 31, everything they're doing is in the uh, in the name of justice and good. <laughs> what, uh, and then, what's the next hail? Huh? What's the next priority the, one? The next hail, these are two things that just also tie onto that. Uh, Lieutenant Leon Kassab writes us, donning my comic book guy uh, uniform. Picard says the first duty of every Starfleet officer is to the truth, but in uh, Season 7, Episode 16, Thine Own Self, uh, interestingly similarly, um, similarly related to truth, at 2852, ooh, very detailed, uh, Riker says his first duty is to the ship. 
<laughs> Maybe that was a special mission. <laughs> His first duty is to the ship, right? But yeah. you're not in, you're in, on in Starfleet. You're not going to be guaranteed a posting to a ship. <laughs> so you're saying independent of the duty to the ship yes. that you may or may not be assigned to yes. your first duty is to the truth there it is interesting um and then lieutenant renhart writes us are betazoids not allowed in off official trials where was troy in this episode couldn't a jury of betazoids have solved the whole question of whether or not the cadets were lying a jury of betazoids <laughs> so true well i mean they could be like they're lying but they can't go this is what happened right so really they they're they would be on the same presumption as the admiral and the captain but wait a minute aren't some betazoids full telepaths no i thought they were full empaths the end. i thought uh, the person i i realized in this episode is her name is waxana is how she herself pronounces it if unless yeah. i'm mistaken <laughs> In what this episode, her? as the computer, she pronounces her name Waxana. Yeah, but, no, but, but wait, how does that and go this into the whole? This isn't tied into it. Okay. Uh, but she, uh, sorry, I didn't get to my point. I was, I, I had, a, I had a digression as always. The um, um, uh, isn't she? Can't she read people's minds? And that's why she's always claiming she knows what what Picard is thinking about her and stuff, even though she's obviously lying. I don't I, I don't thought know. she she I definitely thought, can speak I to I thought that beta Zeds were telepathic between each other, but only empathic between other species. My understanding that unless was that some were full you're telepaths. that redheaded guy in that episode Tin Man. <laughs> yes. So was he he was he was an anomaly. Right? Wasn't he? I don't know. I'm going to look. definitely said he was more powerful than others. I, I got the sense that Luxana was could read minds fully. But there are definitely, there's, there's examples even in this episode where I'm like, don't you know what Alexander's thinking? Um, all right. Well, whatever the case. If anybody knows, I'm sure somebody does. Um, and the last uh, Medal of Valor is awarded to um, Nelson, this is going to be the uh, the link that I sent you. And uh, he wrote, Matt and Andrew, just wanted to let you know how much enjoying the podcast and being the president circle. I had made a little present for you guys. I hope oh, you the, enjoy it. On. Well, let me, before we get to this, I'm just going to yes. answer your question for you. Okay. Betazoids are natural telepaths. Uh, most develop telepathic skill in adolescence, but a few were born with telepathic abilities already active, such as Tam Elbrin from Tin Man. Uh-huh. Uh, My memory is that Diana only had emotions maybe because she was half human. Uh, the common psionic abilities of Betazoids extend from sensing thoughts and or emotions over projecting thoughts and or emotions to manipulating the minds of others. How capable they were in performing any of those feats depended somewhat on their genetically defined uh, psionic strength, their training, and their familiarity with the scanned being. Huh. So, as always, that seems like a limited. Because Diana is Diana. (laughs) Oh, I don't know what he's thinking. I don't really know that guy. (laughs) Yes. There you go. So, some people can. 
some people can't. What's his name? Is his name Jeffrey? Yeah, I don't know. Je- I mean, I've met Jeffrey, but I don't really get Jeffrey, so I can't tell you what he's thinking. <laughs> uh, a list appearances of Betazoids, excluding regular appearances of Deanna Troy. Ready? Here we okay. go. Right. 11 TNG episodes, 3 DS9 episodes, and 5 Voyager episodes. There you go. Interesting. Um, now, okay, back so to what you were saying. We got a hail. Yes, from Nelson Helwig, Lieutenant Nelson Helwig. Um, and this was a voice hail. Or no, just going was... above and beyond. No, this is not a voice hail. The voice oh. hail is, you can ignore it. The, um, Hang on. Then this is... It should should be listed. I know you sent it to me, Andy, and it's on me for not being on top of it. The name of the person we're about to hear. I know. Well, actually, it's not. It is. I don't know where did it go, (laughs) Andy. Did you send it from your personal account? I'm so sorry. Just look up John. Uh, Try not. Okay, thank you so much. You sent it from the TNC account, I did. and here it is. I, by the way, I haven't listened to this yet. Oh, exciting. You're so, going to love this. Someone went above and beyond and sent us this. Matt and Andrew, I understand that you have a podcast, Star Trek, The Next Conversation. Ah, <laughs> yes, well, I think I might be dropping by and having a listen would that be interesting? I don't know where you are, but I'm in Los Angeles, which you can see in the background, I think, on a clear and fabulous day. Well, he's got a good view. Perhaps I'll be yeah. coming by your way and listening to what you have to say. <laughs> Bye. I can't. I cannot wait for Delancey to hear everything. Andy says about Q. He, I, I, it would be ironic if he is the first person to actually come and visit because he will be the first person who, who will be subscribing to the Q level. <laughs> that would be very funny. If we, <laughs> I, I actually got a little bit frightened <laughs> if he listens to it. He's going to say, I hear a lot of negative things that I have to say about the character. <laughs> we, I had a long talk with him at the, um, la- the Vegas convention we were all, we were all at. Uh, yeah. Not that I assume, I don't, I doubt he remembers. Although we ha- I had him on the other, the Nerdist podcast too. Um, um, I'm going to put again, that up not on, our, not on our uh, our Twitter feed, but on our Instagram feed, so you can actually see it playing out. That's Star Trek TNC on Instagram, where you can also see um, our friend at Kyo Hazard, who's Kyle Burles, or Burles. I give you both pronunciations. Um, <laughs> did one of the greatest pieces of art I've ever seen which is uh, an album cover uh, for Frank Sinatra, Come On, uh, with myself in the place of Frank, that's a loving duplication of an actual Frank Sinatra album that is just hilarious. So you can check it's, that out, too. It's, at Star it's Trek really DMC. delightful fan art, and uh, a big thank you for doing that. Really wonderful. Um, and, uh, okay, the last... Uh, sorry, I think I said that that was the last, but this is the last one. Um, and it's uh, from Lieutenant Andrew Ingram, and here it is. 
Uh, Dear Matt and Andy, this is Andrew from Alabama. Uh, I've been a fan of Myra's podcasting since the early Nerdist days. Um, when he started a Star Trek pod with a fellow Andrew, no less, I was over the moon, not just as a huge Star Trek fan, but also because my best friend of 20 years was named Matt. When oh, I tried wow. to, Yeah, weird. Another Matt and Andrew. When I tried to get him to listen to the show, at first he thought I was crazy, but almost overnight he became a huge TNC and Myra fan, picking up James Bonding and others. Oh, nice. Gave us, gave us a great new avenue of discussion for months. After being unlucky in love his whole life, my friend Matt finally found a girl, fell in love, and got engaged in about a year. Wow. Yeah. It's a fast track. This guy, he knows love when he sees it. Look, Dory and I got engaged in like a year. Is he doing the math? A year and a half? If that? Wow. You just know. They say you know. They do say that. I believe it. I knew, but I was wrong, apparently. Um, not about, enough about me. Uh, I was happy for him, but the strain of all the change took a toll on the friendship. Oh, I said, no. I know. I said something stupid that we fought about, and now we haven't spoken in more than six months. He's blocked me on everything, effectively oh. ending the friendship. It's harsh. Real tough. Uh, I wrote in to say, I love the show. I'm really excited to hear y'all discuss Voyager, DS9, and more of the movies. I also wrote in to say, I miss my friend. I was always happy for him, and my attempt to get out of the way came out wrong. I'm sorry about that, and I really just miss my friend. Sincerely, Andrew from Alabama. And um, Andrew. Spe- I know. I hope this pans out and he hears you, but look, I'm not going to take any sides until I find out what you said. Well, that is a, a tricky area. <laughs> Uh, and I assume it was something personal, and that's the reason that Andrew's not saying anything. Uh, and so we can't we can't tell you, Matt, to forgive Andrew. But I guess my feeling is the times being what they are, and some people being isolated from their friends, and others being trapped with friends <laughs> and trapped with their loved ones. It uh, it feels like the right time to uh, to reach reach deeper into your heart for forgiveness if you have it in you, and minimally. Uh, if you can't forgive him, then just reach out and maybe hear what he has to say. Um, and, and that is it also, for the president circle. Yes, I will Matt. also play this sound clip. Andy needs a girlfriend. That is also true. <laughs> let, let us never forget that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Did you, did you feel like that was the subtext of my little speech? <laughs> It just so right. we're all alone, guys. So let's it, just uh, try to remember <laughs> that uh, if there's somebody who wants to be your friend, then I mean, come on, just. Uh... <laughs> we, that sounds like we entered the Andy needs a girlfriend cargo bay, <laughs> where you keep all your baggage. Oh boy! <laughs> and since oh, Andrew would hate that, that day, <laughs> there's so much stuff in this cargo bay. <laughs> Uh, all right, so let's go out of the Andy Secunda baggage cargo bay <laughs> into the hallway and open up the hails. Captain, we are being hailed. This is from uh, Lieutenant Mark Movie King Schultes. Uh, boys, here's a chance to talk some inside baseball, perhaps. Casting. Let's talk the Ro, Kira, and Locarno slash Paris dilemma. I understand that the producers were aware that using characters with backstory from other shows possibly could have confused or alienated their potential total audience, 
But that was the 1990s, where the landscape and reach of sci-fi wasn't entirely mainstream like it is now. That begs the question, in a post-MCU culture, if TNG, DS9, and Voyager were produced in the 2010s, would we have gotten Ensign Rowe in DS9 and Lavarno on Voyager? Although, well, the Lavarno character, that was a character payment issue, but Rowe was just... That, they say it was. You know, that... I've heard that. I don't know if that's completely accurate. Do you think it might have been a character payment issue? I don't know. Well, I did a little digging, and there were a lot of people that had uh, theories that had to do with, you know, uh, Rick Berman's, you know, bad reputation with women, and had that tie into it. Regarding Um, Locarno? No, for Michelle Forbes. Oh, oh, I see. I thought she just didn't want to do it. Yes, well, here's her quote. I guess I was sort of stubborn and defiant right out of the gate. She said, I just knew I was too young to do one thing for seven years. I think like most actors, I want to be challenged. The most important thing to me is I just want to be scared when I go into work. Come and work where we work. Uh, um, you could be scared at work still. We could like hide spiders or pop out from behind doors and go, boo. It's so true. I wish Berman was, like, offering that. <laughs> He's like, look, Michelle, I understand you want to be challenged and scared. I'm going to scare you. <laughs> Turn around. And he crawls under his desk. And he yells, Turn back around. Boo! <laughs> and then she just leaves. I would like it if that was the reason she didn't do DS9. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm done here. <laughs> Uh, um, okay, so what were you going to say about Paris? I was going to say I, I can't, still can't wrap my head around the Paris thing. Me neither. Because like, the character payment is so nominal. It's so small. You know, it they. it's not even a full character payment if there are other uh, recurring... Maybe we only know this because we work on shows with like a billion characters, but... Mm-hmm. I was disappointed to find out because the Glass God character is mine. That they split um, a- after ten characters, they just keep dissecting the amount you get. This is really inside baseball. What, <laughs> so, what do you mean after after ten character payments? No, if there are more than ten characters that are recurring, which if you're doing a show about a, a high school, then oh, it's all yeah. recurring characters. Yeah, then it reduces by every additional character. Jeez Louise. And so. on Star Trek, you know, seems like they got plenty of recurrings. Yeah. Anyway. I do wonder. Well, whatever the case. Um... Inside Baseball with Matt, Andy, and Captain Sisko. <laughs> I thought they would have to have Captain Sisko in it with the DS9. Appropriate. Appropriate. Lieutenant Mark C. writes us, There are lots of examples where Starfleet officers lie and are commended for it. Anytime there is a a first contact situation, consider when Riker gets stuck on that planet when checking whether the population is ready for first contact. He constantly denies that he's an alien. The same happens when Riker and Troy try to convince the proto-Vulcan species that witnessing the Picard was a dream. And then Renhart adds that, So true, I guess the prime directive overrules the first duty. Plus, yeah, uh, it's I feel General like, Order One, guys. 
Come on. So <laughs> I think we did actually. You did address that in the episode. Just like, no, that's the directive. That's not the duty. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> um, she also adds, plus, I feel like every time an admiral or another ship's captain comes on board in TNG, they're always full of secret plots and lies, um, which is part of the theme. I, th- I feel like when you get an admiral's uniform, you also get a new set of duties. <laughs> yes. None of them are to the truth. Um, okay. Uh, and here's the last hail uh, from Lieutenant the Portland Norm. The Portland... Lieutenant the Portland Norm. Mm-hmm. I added the lieutenant to make it even more awkward. Um, my... Oh, he's referring to the Cheers Norm. So he's saying he's the Portland Norm. He's Portland's Norm. When he walks around, everyone knows his name. They go, Portland Norm! No, Andy, they just say whatever his name is. His name's Norm! Norm! Oh, Oh, maybe his name's not Norm. Maybe he's just saying he's like a Norm. My working theory is that Starfleet cruelly installs... Oh, this is about the doors. There was a a regular door. (laughs) Lengthy discussion about the doors. (laughs) That we were baffled by. My working theory is that Starfleet cruelly installs manual doors on planet-based academy uh, and medical facilities to subtly discourage disabled personnel. In second seasons... (laughs) (laughs) It's really hilarious. In second season's Packlet episode, Samaritan Snare, Captain Picard and Wesley beamed down to Starbase 515's medical facility lobby, which had a single glass manual door, which is very odd for the entrance of a medical facility. (laughs) Picard and Wesley are clearly trapped behind the door in the memory alpha photo. Um, And then he has a a connection to it. There was also a manual door to Pike's intensive care room in TOS is the menagerie. Mm. The the Emmanuel door was especially cruel as Pike could not have wheeled himself out of his room without assistance. Engage class action lawsuit against Starfleet. (laughs) (laughs) Really good point, Portland Norm. I am a fan of that mail. Because that is some You were someone who would yell Norm when he came in the bar. Uh, Is that it? That's it. All right. I gotta say, there were a lot of them this week, but they were all delightful. I feel like the uh, the quality of hails has jumped up. Not That's sure why. Because we're um, in a much more consistent broadcast form. Oh, is that it? Yeah. Yeah. That's how you keep the audience engaged. Consistency. Our schedules have allowed it, and we're glad to be doing it. Make a useless now. jingle out of that. <laughs> Uh, Andy. Yes, Matt. I believe that it is time to talk about the episode. It sure is. Well, is that this, correct? It sure is, Now, yes. here we go. Wait. Matt has asked for yet another jingle. There's one thing that he must understand. If we add more music to this podcast... There will be no space in it to talk. I didn't want to. Uh, I didn't want to interrupt your flow, but that's the wrong one. <laughs> no, that's the one we have to play when we play the new one. No, he actually. First of all, what he was saying was you have to play that when you ask for a new jingle. Oh, but I think he had a clarification that was something even less 
demanding than that, which I'll look up. But whatever the case, you'd only have to play that, in my opinion, when... Uh, but when? well, I'm playing that now because I have no idea where the actual new jingle went. No problem. <laughs> I really don't. Where did it go? What what is it called? Do you remember? Oh, you know what it is? He wants you to play the new that that jingle when you ask for a new jingle. Right. So that's okay. when you play it. When you say, "Hey, how about this jingle?" then that's when you play it. Um I will learn to do better, sir. So the new the other jingle is called Hmm, let me see. Is it Oh wait, Andy. Yes. No. Into the episode. I think. Oh, I don't know if I have it. You should. I, you played it last time, I believe. I certainly did. Oh, boy. Send it Guys, again? if anyone's waiting for us to get better and better at this, it's never going to happen. So that being said, I just sent it to are. you again if you want. That's all right. Oh, no. I accidentally closed the entire soundboard. <laughs> this is. We crossed many doors to many places. Your hails made us think of all your faces. Sit comfortably in your humble abode. Let's talk about this week's episode. Yeah. All right. You know what, buddy? Sometimes people make mistakes. It's okay. I understand. Thank you, And, uh, and I support you. Wow. Really nice for you to come out on my side on this. Uh, I should remember this when we're back in the same room together and you have to do this. Uh, <laughs> uh, it does. By the way, it makes perfect sense that I do the jingles because you do all the gathering and reading. So it should. It sh- I should do all the jingles. However, you want to break it down is fine. Look, I'm not here to say how we should break things down, but you know, Andy's a very generous person. Andy needs a girlfriend. <laughs> I don't like you having the soundboard. Every time I complicate, <laughs> I'm going to compliment um, you, and then I'm going to play it. We're going to get you a girlfriend by the end of this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Is is this like a a charity marathon? It sure is. All right, guys. We've been doing the podcast for 23 hours. Andy still doesn't have a girlfriend. Uh, We still got zero on the board. I want to remind everybody that... uh, Andy needs a girlfriend. Okay. Um... So before we go into uh, this day Wait, track, there's no before we go into. We are, we're into it. I played the previous jingle. We're into the episode discussion. I'm saying before we go into this day in track. Wait, this is the episode discussion. I thought the episode discussion always started with this day in track. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> we're about <laughs> to go into this day in track. <laughs> I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> It's wrong. <laughs> okay. Anyway, this episode airs the week of April 20th. No, it didn't. That's the other episode. Andy, what were you going to say? What I was going to say is that uh, Lieutenant Commander, uh, and I don't know if I ever really gave him the title. I believe I did. Lieutenant Commander Matthew Kirk, who did this day in Trek. Yeah. For, for just seasons and seasons, just just above and beyond, just amazing work. His work is appreciated. Um, he pro- maybe he transferred to a different ship. I believe he re- he may have he may have retired. And you know what? He he retired a hero, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> and um and uh, so thank you, uh, Lieutenant Commander Matthew Kirk. And I wanted to ask you, Matt, because we were sent the rest of season fives this day in Trek by Zach Wilson, mm-hmm. and 
he was offering to do all of season one for Voyager because people who've been listening to our Patreon Voyagers have requested that we do this day in Trek for that. So I guess I wanted to ask you, as the senior member of our crew, Uh if I could also bestow the title, or if you could bestow the title, Lieutenant Commander on Zach. Uh, Let me take a look at his credentials, make sure he understands that the first duty is to the truth. Uh-huh. Obviously, historical truth when doing this day in truth. <laughs> and uh, see if I can find any sort of sound for a promotion. Uh, you guys be impressed because he's, he's got a cigarette in his mouth like a cool action hero as he's doing this. <laughs> Let me just punch in the uh, punch in the sequence here. Uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got a lot of security over protocols and you gotta let's see what the computer says. All set. He's a lieutenant commander. What did the computer say? It said verified. <laughs> verified. Oh, nice. <laughs> here you go, Zach Wilson. You are officially a lieutenant commander. And here is your this day in trek. Um, for the cost of living, April twentieth, nineteen ninety two. Oh, by the way, also side note, uh, here it's it's jump by Criss Cross. So you can get that going. <laughs> uh, that was the number one song. But uh, just side note, I was way off on some of the things I've been saying lately when I've had to do this. Uh, Brain Donors was nowhere near the number one movie. I was shocked that it was. We both were. Well, you were more shocked than I was. Yes. I somehow was on board. I don't know what the, it was. It was on a This Day in History website, and they kept using weird phrasing like, it was one of the most popular movies. It, A, wasn't even one of the most popular movies, and B, it definitely wasn't number one. So I don't know what the hell was Do going on. Do you think the site you were using belonged to John Turturro? <laughs> it was his blog. It was his brain donor's blog. <laughs> If anybody wants to go back the last handful of episodes and tell me where else I've been off, I'm happy to read off the list. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, the number one song, Jump by Criss Cross. Is it playing? I can't hear it. It's really catchy. You can't take it away from Criss Cross. It sure is. The number one movie was Basic Instinct. The number one song in the UK, Deeply Dippy by Right Said Fred. Oh, right Said Fred. Really they got a tear. second hit. I didn't even I've never even heard that one. I'll have to play that at some point. Deeply charts. Dippy? Deeply dippy. Um number one book, The Pelican Brief by John Grisham. That makes sense. The number one TV show that week, can you guess? April twentieth. Uh, what year was it? Ninety two? Roseanne. Correct. Um Time magazine cover, why don't voters trust Clinton? Um, always hilarious. Uh, the best covers. Uh, births that week. New York uh, Yankee Aaron Judge. I have no memory of it whatsoever. I have memory of this, but only because I've seen it in a a breakdown of the one hit wonder of. I'm too sexy. <laughs> of course. So it's only in reference to their other hit, their yes. actual hit. Uh, deaths that week, uh, Benny Hill. 
And um, events. Uh, Freddie Mercury tribute concert is viewed by more than a billion people and raises millions of dollars for AIDS research. Uh, meanwhile, David Bowie marries Iman. <laughs> Benny Hill uh, probably uh, died that week being chased by a bunch of attractive ladies. (laughs) (laughs) They finally caught him. (laughs) Oh, no, Benny, look out for that one in the cloak with the sickle. (laughs) Oh, good times. By the way, Zach, I love that you ended on an upbeat thing. That was a David so Bowie marries him on. Oh, By the way, married? which is very, which is also Star Trek related, well, Andy, because of Star Trek now, Six when Iman was the oh, that's uh, right, was, was in it. Yeah. Not all species keep their genitals in the same place, Captain. <laughs> Remember that? <laughs> Vaguely. Because <laughs> he was like, I kicked him in the knee, and. Uh, that wasn't his name. Okay. I'm really very happy with how that turned out. And, of course, I'm going to be extra happy with the newest segment that now has uh, segment art, which is, of course, everybody's favorite segment. Frank Sinatra, come on. And here we will go as soon as I find that specific you know, Matt, it's okay. You take your time. You take all the time you need. <laughs> and he needs a girlfriend. That, that one, for some reason, is very easy to find, and everything else is a I'm sure, little... I'm sure that's a giant button on your screen. It's actually <laughs> up and away everything from else everything tiny else. tiny little buttons around I, it. I separated it out for some reason, but uh, here yeah, we go. Yeah, for some Rick reason. Sinatra, come on. <laughs> Time for that segment everybody hates. <laughs> Time for Frank Sinatra, come on. Well, Andy, what was happening that Fly week me to for the, the chairman moon. of the board? Let me I'll tell you, Matt. Old Blue Eyes, this week Frank traveled up to Evansville, Indiana for a concert at like Robert's Municipal Stadium on April 23rd. This was the start of a concert tour words, with Shirley MacLaine that would continue on and off through the fall of 1992. Oh my goodness, which words, means we've got some season six Sinatra Come on, to talk about. <laughs> it's pretty sweet that he was on tour with Shirley MacLaine. That is quite a, a bill. Uh, a bill like no other. Frank Sinatra and Shirley MacLaine in Indiana. Unofficial member of the Rat Pack. There you go. All right. Let's now talk about the episode. I'll read from Dr. Trek himself, Larry Nemechek's book, The Star Trek Next Generation companion revised edition this is an episode for some reason called the cost of living now here we go it is it is directed by weinrich colby and written by peter allen fields here we go after the enterprise helps destroy a rogue asteroid i wouldn't say that it helps i would say that it absolutely does the destroying on its own <laughs> troy's <laughs> troy's mother loxana is if he means helps the planet <laughs> beams aboard and makes a surprise announcement she's getting married to a man she's never met 
As if worrying about her mother wasn't enough, Troy must also help Worf deal with the increasingly rebelliousness of his son, Alexander. Matters worsen when Loxana persuades the young Klingon to join her on the holodeck mudbath amid a colony of artists and free thinkers, frustrated both, frustrating both Worf and Deanna. Loxana reveals that she will forego the tradition of the nude Betazoid wedding at the request of her fiancé, Campio whom she is shocked to find is stuffy and old. Meanwhile, that's some editorializing. I don't think she was shocked to find he was old. Meanwhile, an increasing (laughs) number of ship systems are beginning to fail. The problem is eventually traced to a metallic parasite the ship picked up after destroying the asteroid they were feeding on. In a race against time, Data barely gets the ship back to the creature's home field and beams them away before life support breaks down, leaving him the only crew member conscious. Disaster is soon averted, and Loxana is free to proceed with her wedding plans. But uh, to her fiancé's surprise, her daughter's delight, Loxana troys up at the ceremony wearing basic Betazoid. That is, in the buff, sending Campio running for home. Deanna then coaxes Worf to join her mother and Alexander for one last visit to the mud bath. The mud bath. I said that like it was the love shack. (laughs) (laughs) Sign says... Anyway. um, Yeah, so never has an episode started with so much action to putter out completely. Let's, Let's see where the Enterprise is at when we first pick up the episode. Already at red alert. The forward torpedo tubes are armed and ready. Picard is all, for some reason, behind the horseshoe. I mean, we can tell this is going to be an action-packed episode. You've never seen this much movement out of the gate. An explosion! Two torpedoes! A direct hit, sir. The asteroid has been shattered. However, the core is still intact and still on a collision course with Tessin 3. Is it big enough to cause a threat? Yes, sir. It is of sufficient size and density to cause planet-wide damage. Time to impact. It will reach the upper atmosphere in 44 seconds and impact on the planet 11 seconds later. Ready, torpedoes. Aye, sir. Sir, the core is composed of nitrium and crondite. It is unlikely another photon torpedo will be of any effect. Mr. Wolf, prepare to track the beam. Aye, sir. 30 seconds to impact. Captain, I am unable to get a positive lock with the tractor beam. Oh, my God. They've tried two things already. None of them are working. They are really on? have to be at the top of their game to solve this. There is magnetic field interference emanating from the core materials. Activated deflector dish. If we project a particle beam, we may be able to produce a disruptive nuclear effect within the core. Aye, sir. I would have said the deflector dish, but I'm not Patrick Stewart. Whatever. Impact what did he say? A deflector dish. <laughs> Particle beam activated. Wow! Another explosion! The is destroyed, Captain. The remaining debris is of no threat to the planet, sir. Well done, everyone. Tension put us back on course for the Messalina system. Warp 4 as soon as we're clear of the debris field. Andy, we are one minute into the show and have already had two explosions. Photon torpedoes have been going. And uh, you're probably thinking to yourself, what am I in for? The this most action packed episode gonna of all time? going to be a roller coaster for it's, sure. There's no, is, there's no way it's going to be anything uh, except a roller coaster. 
Well, you know, the cold open is sparkly stardust going onto the ship, which still is promising. Yeah. What is that sparkly dust? What are its intentions? Certainly sounds sparkly. uh, Something that turns out to be so threatening, they made like 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 Peter Pan, you know, Tinkerbell (laughs) fairy dust. Well, they really had to get those wind chimes going. You know, they rented them that week, and they were like, "We got to use these somewhere." Sure, (laughs) we paid we paid twenty three dollars for this rental. All right, let's hear where this episode goes. I mean, I can't wait to see what they're doing at the Maloran system. Before he was allowed to play, oh, he was no. to place a... We picked this up in the Counselor Troy's office <laughs> with this is funny about this episode is they, they basically son. begin at the end of a good episode and then begin a bad episode. <laughs> they start it over. <laughs> oh, oh, no. Boiled clothing in a garment reprocessor. I was not. I sense a touch of hostility here, gentlemen. Family ties is Brian Bonsall. specifically told that. You told me that yesterday, not today. If I may suggest... You know very well the same rule applies today Please. Yes, Andy? I don't have anything. Oh, I thought you raised your hand, which you often will do to get the attention of me. I was about to... I was really hoping you were going to say something about the decor in Troy's office and how it looks like it's Blanche Devereaux's room on Golden (laughs) Girls. (laughs) Yeah, that's not far off. <laughs> it's like it's it's Miami. Maybe that's uh maybe she has an affinity for Miami. Sure. She's been, probably. Why not simply draw up a contract which clearly defines the duties of each family member? You mean he tells me what he wants and I have to do it. No. I mean you both agree to your responsibilities. And when you've done the things that you've agreed to do, then you've earned the privilege to do the things that you want to do. When he's cleaned his room, for instance, then perhaps he's earned a visit to the holodeck to fight his alien monsters. You suggest bribery. I suggest working out an equitable system with the rules clearly spelled out for the child and the parent. It's funny to hear someone on Star Trek uh, refer to alien monsters. <laughs> That's so true. I also think it's funny that What do I hear? Do I hear something in the background? Kind of a kind of a wind sound? No, like people. Hmm. Matt, are we in a time loop? I'm, I'm imagining it, I think. Are you about to knock over your your glass of wine that you have every night before you go to bed? Yes. Hang on one second while I tie this pink ribbon around my hair (laughs) and don't break this glass. I suppose I should have vamped the whole time. Oh, no. I broke the glass. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I've closed the door and hopefully... No bleed through. Now. I didn't hear anything if it helped you. The minutia of the garment re-whatever system, like what they do with dirty laundry. Yeah. Eh, slightly, slightly interesting to me. That they just, there's no, 
There's no like advanced version of a rumba that that picks up dirty clothes. <laughs> well, there is. It's data. He's the most advanced Roomba the Federation has ever seen. He can't go in room to room. He's got too many other things to do. Well, he's pretty fast. He could probably do it. (laughs) Amazing. If that was in Data's day, now I pick up after every person on this ship. (laughs) Talk this thing over. Decide on which points each of you wants in the contract. Very well. One day you're going to be glad your father cared enough about you to insist on rules. Can I say one thing before we move on from this? Please. Uh, We're never moving on from this. This is the story. Continue. uh, Yes, no, I know. Um, Alexander... They just write him so consistently as every single thing that is addressed to him. He's like, well, I don't want to do Well, that's not whatever. And it occurs to me, it's not that far off from how Bellana is portrayed now that we're watching Voyager. Oh, yeah. And so it made maybe me think, it's... maybe it's Worf that is the odd man out. Maybe all Klingons do just have a constant bad attitude. Well... Maybe it's because he's got the. Uh, Does he have human know, in him? Yes, because his mother was. Oh, half so it's human. the that supports the uh, the theory, which I actually think was more your theory than my theory uh, about Balana that she was, um, that it, that the anger comes from the human side. So the anger comes from his her Latina side. She is <laughs> that was your part of the theory. She is. <laughs> uh, as, uh, as a half Cuban, I will uh, take full responsibility. She is. Living out her days on Voyager like it's a telenovela. Right. So what about... <laughs> Everything uh, is the most dramatic thing that's ever happened. The question is, was uh, um, was Alexandra's mom... A fiery Latina. Good question. Yes, that's the question. Well, I mean, she... The actress wasn't. But Susie Plaxon was not, no. No. Not yet. She could be. Who knows? Good old Susie Plaxon. <laughs> You can find your find your clip again. <laughs> Hang on. Andy needs a girlfriend. Riker to Counselor Troy. Your mother's just come aboard. On the other hand. Deanna, my dear, it's mother. Oh, I've got such deliciously exciting news. You're going to be absolutely thrilled. I'm getting married. <laughs> Who cares? You better, because we're about to see a whole episode of it. The best thing about this episode, there's one scene I really like, and it's right after this scene, and it's and it's Picard complaining about Troy's mother. Sure. Um, but in the meantime, I guess, here we go. She's got, She's marrying a man she's never met. Troy finds that odd. Whatever. And here we go unusual questions he's such a wonderful man and he has such good breeding oh i tell you he's absolute perfection (laughs) who is he he is campio third minister to the conference of judges from the planet costalane royalty my little one naturally (laughs) i didn't even know you'd ever been to costalane or was he on some diplomatic mission to beta z well uh, um neither actually uh, you see, we haven't exactly met. 
yet, really. Oh, but the profiles we've exchanged, why, they are in such accord that you could weep, my little one. You would weep at the harmony between us. Mother, don't you think it would be a good idea if you actually met the man you're going to marry before committing to spend the rest of your life with him? Diana, I love you, but you do make everything sound like an epitaph. I don't want... She has a couple of good zingers in this Funny episode. Line. I'll give her that. Funny yes. line. I yes. like it. That was a good line. And meanwhile, in Alexandertown, I think Worf <laughs> overstepped his boundaries here. Yeah. Let's get back to the B story. <laughs> I, I think Worf used his security clearance to track down Troy and drag his son over. <laughs> wait, wait, what is it? What happens? I think he was like, computer locate counselor Troy. Which oh, he I has see, yes. full clearance to do because he's the chief of security. Yeah, that's a real occupational and, hazard as and the just counselor of the ship. His whiny just, kid over. Do you think everybody on on, the, on board is just like I'm having a meltdown? Uh, ship, where where's Counselor Troy? Locate Counselor Troy. Counselor Troy, excuse the intrusion, but we're having some difficulty drawing up our contract. Hmm? I wish he used his security clearance to site-to-site transport her to their quarters <laughs> to deal with Alexander. Uh, this is Troy. He's not fair. The boy is unreasonable. Well, of course he's unreasonable. He's a child. Aww. And such a child. You know, making little boys reasonable only gives them pimples. Alexander, this is my mother. Alexander? What a wonderful name. You know, I once knew a tall, handsome warrior named Alexander. Oh, he utterly adored me. And we went everywhere, simply everywhere. (laughs) Have you been anywhere yet? Contract? What contract? Between father and son. A fair and balanced way to achieve... We are way too far from that. I don't know if that... For her to circle back to that dialogue was. Or... Maybe it was to remind us how little is happening. <laughs> a mutual I would have preferred they just order. cut it. <laughs> oh, boy. Usually between people who don't really trust one another. A child okay, guys, let's brainstorm. We're just going to blue sky some new ideas. Okay. Now, what do what we uh, say? What do we yeah. need to do? What do we, what, what do we, what do we got to work with here? Well, maybe we'll come up with uh, with characters uh, that we've liked in the past, and oh, okay. uh, we'll just do one story on a oh, side like, character like, that we liked like in the past. I like Q. Can we use Q? All right, we'll put Q up. That's one idea. That's uh-huh. one idea. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, what if we used uh, ch- uh, the, what, the Klingon Chancellor, Chancellor Gorkon? Maybe. We, uh, uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Everybody yeah, loves him. Yeah, he's, he's got a lot of personality. Oh, what if we brought back Tasha Yar's daughter again? Oh, I mean, everybody loves the Romulan stories. I'm writing that on the board. But yeah, you know what? Yeah. That's just, if you still feel like we're not hitting it, well, I, I just mean, wish there was a character that really activated the other characters, but but you don't really want to spend time with oh, them. Oh, 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 I know. What if it was Picard's brother, Robert, had to visit the ship? Now we're getting closer. Now we're getting closer. <laughs> I mean, look. I mean, if we're going what? family members, I Why guess we, not? Could, we could use Alexander. I don't. 
Bring back Worf's parents. <laughs> oh, I know. What about Counselor Troy? She got that mom. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah, that's it. Okay. We're gonna we're gonna just have her as a side plot. We're not gonna have her as a main plot. You can't have her as a main plot. She's always well, comedy relief. What if we did have her as the main plot? <laughs> well, that's interesting. Oh. Well, all right, well then the then the B plot's gotta be about it's gotta be about the main characters then. No, 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 no. What if it was also about a side character and we called the episode the cost of doing a TV show this long. Well, that would apply if we were doing both side characters. That it would. We it's, might as well admit that we had run out of ideas. <laughs> so bad. This is this is the appropriate point in a season, actually, that you would have this episode. This is the this is twenty episode twenty. Yeah, and they were doing twenty six episodes. That's right. when people have run out of gas. And they're like, I don't know, Alexander well, and Waxana. It's also like, it's interesting to me because like, there's like three sort of eggs that are laid here in in a row, I think. Yeah. But it's followed up by like fantastic episodes. So I don't really have an explanation for it. But what I do know is this next scene in the corridor is my favorite scene in the episode. Here we go. <laughs> Married? She's getting married. Yes, if we stay on our present course, we should rendezvous with her intended in 31 hours. I will not have that woman continuing to use this ship for her convenience simply because her daughter happens to be one of my officers. Apparently, Deanna being on board is only part of the reason. The other reason being? She thinks the honor of giving away the bride should fall on you. Permission for an onboard wedding is granted, number one. Nothing will please me more than to give away Mrs. Troy. <laughs> and then uh, the C plot happens. <laughs> <laughs> the C plot being the terrible danger to the ship. Correct. That's the way they're treating it. This is like a C runner in this and you episode. Know, and you know how they indicate it? The same way they indicated it at the end of the cold open. <laughs> That's right. Sparkles. <laughs> Just I hey you sparkles. thought this was going to be a boring episode but remember this thing we still haven't explained <laughs> Oh I do remember it You're going to show me more after this commercial break right Yeah Maybe Oh no why are we back with these the two and How are you this morning Oh I see Being punished for something are we it's just my regular time to meet with Counselor Troy. She's not here yet. Then you're early. That's very responsible of you. By the way, no, she's I'm wrong. Sure. <laughs> What's that? She's a betazoid, and she was wrong. He's not there to be punished. He's there because he's avoiding his father, and she asked him a bunch of questions to find it out. <laughs> Maybe Klingons are harder to read. Uh-huh. I don't know. Is that established? Wait a minute. I think I might have another theory. Well, what if, if you what have if another Waxana theory, then... also doesn't have... Well, she has enough telepathic powers that they can speak to each other, but maybe she, she has no telepathic powers beyond that. She's certainly always wrong about Picard. Maybe well. they're not Betazoids. <laughs> and these theories are very interesting because... 
because he's really smart. New theory. <laughs> Android have a cat. Oops. <laughs> That's the other theory song. Be out of my room. Please. The one you played is the outro. Yeah, but it felt like the right time to play that. No, 100%. You had 100%. succinctly said It was it. well played. Yeah. Now, uh, if we're to be real friends, we've got to share only the truth. It's the first duty. Because it's the first well, duty of every Starfleet <laughs> officer. When you tell the truth, you never have to remember later what you lied about. But mostly, a true friend is a person you can always tell the truth to without worrying about it. I... I wanted to leave before my father got back. Oh. Here's the thing I have to say. You smell him too, huh? I hate him. Whoa, whoa, <laughs> whoa. Not cool. <laughs> Alexander. That's my father. Oh, wait, is that Alexander saying that? <laughs> Alexander said, I hate my father. So oh, yeah. I was being Troy. Sure. Going, what? No. <sighs> By the way, I think Waxana is sort of out of focus they decided to do this whole shot in a in a one or a one or t- close up on two people and i think luxana is i'm gonna call her luxana it just sounds like what they call her waxana it, sounds weird it's luxana i uh, i wish i could I, I'd you say the l on. oh you know what it is but it's hit in the, the w. scene huh it's you in say the, scene. the l but hit the w it's in the scene when um when Troy and and Worf are trying to find them on the ship, the the computer, which is Major Parrot, says Waxana. I'm pretty sure. Anyway, go ahead. Anyway, I'm, what I was saying is it's weird that she's out of focus in this in this close. I don't think close so up. because I feel like they're giving her a little bit of the uh, Vaseline on the lens treatment here. It's not on. It's not on Alexander though. So that that it couldn't be no, there. no but they're giving her the treatment meaning like keeping her a little soft oh they're intentionally on doing purpose it. i got you i got you it's not very fair is it plus you know when you're photographing someone you always focus on the closest ridge <laughs> <sighs> i can't believe we go to the holodeck and it's probably the worst holodeck program i've ever seen in my life it is a really good point it's like yeah this is that. boring let's Spice it up by going to the holodeck, and they let's, go to. Let's spice it up by going to the holodeck to, equivalent of Sedona, Arizona. Right. They basically go to Burning Man. <laughs> you? Oh, you're going to adore the mud baths. Um. Ah, oh, computer. Uh, I'm so. <laughs> Is the computer program to respond to a light knock? <laughs> That's what she does. I mean that you have the Parallax Colony on Shirley 6. That program is available. Oh, good. It's her playing She's talking to herself. Run it. It's amazing. It shows her range. <gasps> oh. <laughs> I actually think uh, Brian Bonsall underplays this. And it is appropriate because it's just like this, this thing, this floating checkerboard head. This is supposed to fucking wow me. <laughs> the checkerboard head looks like Screech. <laughs> Maybe it is Screech. <laughs> 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 it's definitely 
gratingly overplayed. A wind dancer? <laughs> oh, he stands guard. See, only those whose hearts are joyous may enter. Can't believe how much time we spend on this. <laughs> oh, 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 come on. It's oh. filled with wonder. I would have, I would have, I would have not been able to write this. <laughs> like, you mean it would have been assigned to you? You'd have been like, I can't uh, do this. I would have, I would have been like, uh, dinosaur head person blows a triangle fire ring. <laughs> like, really throwing shit at the page. And it's really they kept it crazy. all. They it, kept it, it all. It does feel like the, I know this isn't true. I'm not saying it is. But it feels like it was a writer from the 90s with a, a drug problem who, <laughs> who left the assignment until the uh-huh. last day and like wrote this entire script in like a half a day. <laughs> and they, uh, they had a bender the night before. They had nothing. They had nothing. And they're like, I don't know. I'm going to do that thing from that weird party I went to last night with the with the fire, fire eater. And... The annoying juggler and those two mimes who talked. Uh, what a terrible party that was. i got to come up with something else, but I can't think of anything. You just did. There you go again. You're the most negative person. Also, it's a holodeck. You think a fire eater and a juggler? This is what you bring? They, they thrive on challenge. They flourish in conflict. Like a low-grade renaissance oh, festival? Oh, fight with them, not your friends. Oh. What is this? The higher, the fewer? Uh, that was it was uh, satisfying for me to hear that because I think in the face group there constantly were references to the higher the fewer and I assume they're mocking in retrospect. No, no, it's revered. This is the everyone's <laughs> favorite Star Trek character. It's funny because the the four lights thing um, is it was also is also constantly mentioned, right? Is it four lights? Yeah. Um, but that is a great episode, and this is. Right, and Darmok and Jalad. Right. Um, you know. Which I believe I've the seen The higher the fewer, lights. I would... Uh, I don't know that I've ever seen it referenced. And uh, now I, I will look it. for it and be sad every time it is. The lesson for FYI, today. I think... Is, is the Four Lights after this, or have we already seen it? Because after. I've watched it for Picard. After. Okay. Season seven, I think. Oh, well, damn, oh, if wow. we know, we're just here for some fun in a mud bath. Every moment requires a purpose. No, it doesn't. Every purpose requires a plan. He does this every day, usually while everyone's food is getting cold. Do you think they just walked into a North Hollywood acting class and grabbed <laughs> everybody? <laughs> Okay, cut. Uh, Carl, we're going to do it one more time. Can you do it bigger and slower? (laughs) (laughs) That's as slow as I can do it. I'm running out of breath. I think you can do it slower. (laughs) All right, I'll give it a whirl. Also, it doesn't make any sense. Which I suppose it's not supposed to make any sense. Yeah, I guess it's supposed to be a, a fantastical, weird wonderland. But for like Alexander. everything else he's saying is a thought. Yeah. And then this is not a thought. Yes. 
supposed to teach Alexander is it, how to is it the higher you are when you write this episode the fewer people that will like it 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 <laughs> <laughs> we connected it finally now it adds up we now i like this episode it out. i am so excited <laughs> about that i uh you know i don't want to i don't want to my own horn but uh sounds like i fixed it it sure did and uh i would play that jingle if i could find it <laughs> here it is it didn't make sense but Matt fixed it yeah the it higher you are when you write an episode of star trek the fewer people will like it thank you and now we go back to don't worry andy we're gonna we're gonna pick up that uh danger to the ship uh, nope, not next. New scene with Troy and Worf. By the way, in that last scene, the thing I wrote in capital letters was, Yuck, I hate this. <laughs> <laughs> Alexander's supposed to be with you? He didn't show up for his appointment. I assumed him would still be here. Computer, what is the location of Alexander Roshenko? Alexander Roshenko is on holodeck two. Is he there alone? He is with Waxana Troy. She says the L. Did you hear it again? She says the L, but really hits the W, which is appropriate. He is with Waxana Troy. I don't know. Waxana Troy. I don't hear the L there. To all the creatures within us. (laughs) (laughs) To all the creatures within us? Of course. Every one of us has a thousand different kinds of, of little people inside of us. And some of them... I'll tell you what I do like. The okay. idea of an edible cup. Yeah, that is nice. Yeah, it's like having a waffle cone, you know, a waffle bowl. Sure. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the best thing about this episode so far. <sighs> the mud baths are nice, although it is weird that Luxana is uh, in the mud bath. We're assuming naked with Alexander. I, nudity to the uh, to the beta zeds, I think, is no big deal. Just, just and, cash. Uh, how else you get into a mud bath? You can't you can't ruin your clothes if you're Alexander because then you'd have to put them in the garment reprocessor, and you don't want to do that. <laughs> That's true. I guess I'm just saying. I don't know if it's appropriate then to make the choice to be in a mud bath with someone else's child. <laughs> I think it's very appropriate. <laughs> it's Star Trek. <laughs> Worf is uh, staring at Balloon Man. Troy is giggling at him. And uh, there you go. Popped. So it took a long time the first time, and then they go back to it, and that also takes a long time. Well, you have to see how uh, these, these, what do you call it, a fish out of water tail here with Worf. He doesn't really (laughs) uh, enjoy any of this. I don't know what it is, Andy. What is it? So long, so much time. Why? Messages. <sighs> oh, also the naked lady. That's another thing. I know it's supposed to suggest that she's at a line. You bring a, a basically a naked dancer in front of Alexander. That's not cool. Andy. I mean, quit harshing my mellow. 
<laughs> Sorry, brother. I know you're trying, <laughs> trying to uh, enjoy the festival. Now, <laughs> deadly doll, what you all worry about? Among other things, his relationship with his father. Oh. No more holodeck, mother. Oh. Please. Anyway, why aren't you all absorbed in your wedding plans? It's only three days away. I'm letting Mr. Holm handle all the mundane details. Cut. Um, Marina, can we get that three days away? <laughs> what, what did I say? You emphasize days. <laughs> the amount of times I have to do that is upsetting. He knows my tastes. It's Mother. A- Deanna, there's absolutely nothing to do, you nosy little girl. Campio's already sent me his mother's wedding gown, which Mr. Holm is now altering for me. Outside of that, there really isn't anything else. Wedding gown? Mother, stop. You're telling me you're not going to be naked at your own wedding? Campio is from a different planet with different traditions. He would not approve of a traditional Betazoid wedding, so I am happily adapting. Now, it's as simple as that, and I need some tea. (sighs) By the way. Yeah the tea with the sausages in it is like the grossest thing ever it really is and she fucking plunges ahead and drinks it's, it anyway it is it just looks like sausage juice it's so gross sacred chalice of reeks oh oh why can't i ever work this replicator mother i think it's time to talk about this mysterious marriage to a man you've never met computer by the way we're 20 minutes in Oh, Jesus okay. Christ! And we've seen we've seen the threat to the ship twice for a total screen time of half of a second. So there's no that's not the a plot. That is clearly the C runner. The a plot here is Loxana Troy's marriage, which makes this episode even worse. Some gestural tea, please. Oh, anyway, why shouldn't I get married if I choose to? You make everything into such a mystery. There is no mystery, Deanna. Except about this, this Petrokian sausage. A tea. All I wanted was a cup of tea. Oh, dear. I think your replicator's having a, a, a nervous collapse. It even sounds gross. Moves oh. the dicks from the, from the drink and then drinks it. <laughs> Um, and why is she eating the apple? I don't know. It's like, it's just, you know what? Who, what is this, this director directed before uh, episodes wise? Because I, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm going to say, maybe I'm not going out on a limb because this episode is without question terrible. There's also a shot at 20. It's a weird close up on Deanna. And the and they, they have the weird butt shot of the dancer, and I understand you're trying to get a little TNA in your show, but that's weird. Everything is weird in this episode. It's shot weird, and it's written weird. Well, you start at the feet, and you go up. I mean, yes. No, does it start weird. at the feet? Yeah. Oh, I thought it started at the higher, but okay. You know why you thought that? Because. Andy needs a girlfriend. Could be. <laughs> um, but. Uh, Weinrich Colby has directed a, a number of Star Trek episodes. Uh, Good ones? Me, I don't know, because I don't remember. Um, uh, let me look them up. While you're looking it up, I'm just going to... I am going to give a shout-out to one line, uh, because I'm going to keep hammering this episode, uh, where Luxana says, uh, I, exposed you to all, I exposed you to all sorts of mixed messages when you were that age. You still turned out deadly dull. 
That was also another good zinger. Good, good line. Well written line. Well delivered. But that's it. No way. He's directed sixteen episodes. Wow. And let's see. Maybe he was on a bender before this episode. According to the Internet Movie Database, I always thought All Good Things was directed by Les... Um, he did the finale? He did, which is the fucking greatest finale oh, in all right, there you go. history. Look, when you're a TV... You know what? I, I back off, because when you're a TV director, you, it's know, all you don't know what the, the schedule is. You don't know what you... You don't have control over everything. I mean, look, if you saw this script, what would you do with it? That's true. I still think there were weird choices even within it, but it certainly could be. Maybe that he, he was, was just making. Like, I don't know. Maybe he was making weird choices as a. Uh, maybe he's hoping as he a way throw to out the keep episode. himself from being bored to death. Right. Uh, Weinberg Colby uh, passed away in 2012, but R.I.P. Directed. Many, uh, 24, he did 18 episodes of Voyager, 13 episodes of DS9, uh, he did four episodes of Millennium, he did one episode of Dark Skies, he did a couple of uh, Lois and Clarks, he did 13 In the Heat of the Nights, mm-hmm. 16 TNGs, nine episodes of The Great Hunter, 13 episodes of the even greater Spencer for Hire, 12 episodes of Knight Rider, three episodes of William Shatner's own T.J. Hooker. Jesus. Five episodes of Magnum P.I., a Rockford Files, a Battlestar Galactica. Can you imagine how wealthy this guy was? That was in the age when when syndication cash was, like, massive. (laughs) Look, I mean, oh, and an episode of Enterprise. That guy must have had like $10 million or something. He must have been worth a gajillion, bajillion dollars, which is the only reason anyone should go into the industry. Not creativity, but only for bajillions of dollars. And also for women. Andy needs a girlfriend. That is not fair. I didn't even say anything. <laughs> just sitting here. You're just I hammering on me Andy. <laughs> Not fair. This is mine I, my own You know business. what? I take that one back. I take that sound clip back (laughs) a level four diagnostic of the food replication systems have failed to detect any faults in the orientation terminals (laughs) thank god thank god we're we're really really in the heart of the episode now and we're we're gonna deal with the broken replicator oh no it's really this is a bad episode that may be but we've still got over 200 reports of malfunctioning replicators 300. <laughs> There's an energy fluctuation in one of the utility access corridors. Well, we better look into it, whatever it is, before the captain decides to order dinner. At least uh, they jump on, uh, jump into some sweet, sweet utility jumpsuit, jumpsuits for the Jeffries to crawl. Like, they're like, we're not going to get our uniforms dirty. Let's get yeah. into our cool jumpsuits. <laughs> yeah. There's six floor. Here we are. Why do you think they get into the jumpsuits? <laughs> If there's What's a scientific that? reason they like are more resistant to a look usually when you're working when you're working in a jeffrey's tube buy some power conduits you usually throw on that jumpsuit yeah 
it's probably like statically discharged or something. Well, there's no plasma leakage, just a little negative ion charging. I was really hoping that that was going to eat through the plate that Data was holding. Yeah. And it, and it would have killed Jordy, but Data was okay. And it was going to be a large uh, queen alien. <laughs> oh, and amazing if it suddenly became the best episode ever right here. And then they, they just ditched the Luxana and Alexander plot. It's like, uh, oh, well, something way more important for us to pay attention to. Luxana tries on the wedding dress. She hates it. Very sweet, dear, but I really wasn't in any trouble <laughs> until I saw this dress. Oh, ugly, isn't it? What's it for? I'm getting married. Why? You sure my daughter didn't send you? <laughs> Just a joke. People get married because, uh, because they want to spend their lives with someone. <sighs> their whole life? Huh. They must have to like that person a lot. Well, if you're young and lucky, It'll be someone you like a lot, yes. Ah, <laughs> oh, and, uh, and if you're older... Are you very old? Andy needs a girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> you can't play it for Luxana. <laughs> Not fair. Um, you gotta I start making say, compromises, okay? No you can no longer pick and choose, Andy. This is uh I will say this is the only this is the only scene that I was like this is a resonant scene it's well played by Majel Barrett um it makes a pertinent point it's unfortunately not the point that's been set up as thematically what they're going after in this episode At all. <laughs> doing something about about parents um but it was uh it was good and also it's I guess it is sort of what they land on in that she decides she's not going to live her life under valuing herself, mm-hmm. um, even if she is old, um, if she's older, and therefore society doesn't value her as much. But uh, but whatever the case, that is Which a good was, scene. But but that was also like the premise of the episode where she was she really fell in love with the guy who was going to kill himself. Yeah, I guess it is. Alien race. That's that's that premise, right? (sighs) With higher stakes, yeah, much, and you know, involvement from the crew. Yeah, it is interesting to compare that one because that's about side characters. Except the side character in that one, one, she's in love with him. Two, he's getting older, and therefore he's got to die. But also, the the survival of a planet hangs in the balance, as I remember. Whereas here, there's some twinkly lights that are fucking with the replicators. Well, I We've mean, traced the failure. The, the 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 ship. Make no bones about it. Everyone's life is in horrible danger in this episode. <laughs> yeah, just nobody knows. <laughs> they just don't really get into that. To a data net interface which routes replicator selections to the correct subprocessors. When we opened the panel, we discovered that the interface had been transformed into a gelatinous material that we haven't been able to identify. Mr. LaForge, why wasn't the asteroid gooey? (laughs) (laughs) Sir? Uh, Sorry, sir? (laughs) Well, you said that this thing came from the asteroid. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, it made it, I guess it made I our it, parts gooey. It changed. It changed uh, its chemical nature at some. Well, point, if it eats, or... if it eats the thing, it should it should have been a gooey asteroid. Our well, torpedo should have bounced off it. Isn't that right, Mister Worf? Uh, <laughs> sir. <laughs> he gets real hung up on this. We have an intermittent failure of the inertial damping system. Take us out of war, Benson. Primary attitude control has failed. We're going to secondary systems. We've lost helm control, sir. All right, finally, the fourth fight. act. Jesus Christ. And we have the danger of the ship, and we return to the danger of the ship. That's the damping system. Aye, sir. Backup generators. Coming online now. How long before we regain attitude control? We're almost there. That's some good, that's some good acting right there. You know how they know how to shake when they're getting hit by things as the, as the cast Sure. You know, you give them a number out of ten, and they will they will shake accordingly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Frakes is doing some great leg up Captain Morgan shaking here. He did he did a really good job holding it together. What number would you have said that was? I think it was like an eight for everybody involved, and Riker I think was really treating it like a six because he had his foot planted on Data's console. Captain, put us back on course. Let's stay at impulse for now. Did something hit us, Mister Wolf? Negative, sir. Was it gooey? <laughs> what if something was gooey and it hit us? Would you know? Kicking in the automatic bypass. I want to know what went wrong. Analysis in 30 minutes. You heard the captain. If we don't know what it is, make it up. Same thing that happened to the replicator happened to the stabilizer. Ah, more goo. Transfers in both systems were turned into this. <laughs> Some sort of corrosion. We have not yet identified the substance, Commander. Whatever it is, it looks like there's been a conversion process transforming some of the metal into gelatinous residue. But what caused it is a mystery. Replicators and the stabilizers, two totally unrelated systems. Yes, sir. And we still don't know why the sensors didn't pick up the problems. Let's run a mass spectrometer analysis and find out what this stuff is. Transporter room one to Captain Picard. Minister Campio is beaming on board, sir. I'll be right there. I'd be like, hang on. Mr. LaForge, is there any chance the transporter subsystems have been affected by this? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> like, I mean, whatever. By the way, was uh, Colmini already on DS9 at this point? When's DS9 start? Because uh, DS9 started during season six. Oh, okay. Because why no Colmini? He was probably working on the Englishman who went up a hill and came down a mountain. <laughs> Could be. <laughs> Every time he's not in an episode, that's what I assume he was doing. But here's the thing. That was just a voice, and you don't see the transporter operator in that scene, so why not just have him have him ADR in the... Because uh... then you'd have to pay him. Yeah. Kind of shitty. All right, so then this guy beams up, and he's boring. Even lovelier. This guy, Andy, I feel like he must. Yeah, you got some. He must. Hit it, buddy. <laughs> oh, I will as soon as I find it. Jeez. What, I got to reorganize everything in here. And I was very disappointed because the other guy, I know, 
I've got one for him. And he's definitely been in a lot of stuff that I've seen. He's been in Seinfeld. He's been in a bunch of other stuff. But none of the ones were like, that's what I'm thinking of. And his face is like plastered in my head. And looking at his credits, I can't figure out what the what the bullseye was. But this guy. Secundus claim to fame. I know him from something big. So uh, the primary one was Love and Death, a Woody Allen film. Uh-huh. Um, knew him very well from that. A side note that I just came upon, uh, he did the voice of the Supreme Being in Time Bandits. Whoa. And it's Ralph Richardson once he turns into the the regular guy, but uh, it's interesting. Um, So I guess when it's just the big face. Um, He's in a billion things. He was in Beverly Hills Bunts. Were you a Hill Street Blues fan? Have we discussed this? It seems like you would have been. Not particularly. Huh. I think you would have liked it. But you like Spencer for Hire. Yes. That's in keeping with your... Uh, Boston. Yeah. Um, also your, um, your detective. Cheers, because you remember Woody got a part on Spencer for Hire and nobody <laughs> believed him? I don't remember that. <laughs> I, was saying, I was saying it fits with Bosch to me. It seems like oh, a similar sure. type show like that. Um, and he was um, in, a, in a handful of Twin Peaks, um, I believe, mm-hmm. in some of the bad episodes in the second season. Um, and uh, those are the... But but really, Love and Death. Those are the ones that uh, stood out the most to me. Love and Death. And the other guy you could not pull? I mean, I knew a bunch of the shows he was in, and he was in Cheers, and he was in, you know... Uh, but like other... his main Secunda claim to fame. Yeah, but you, the claim to f- that's how I go by is because like there's a thing rattling around in my head where I almost see them being expressive in a specific way, and I'm like I'm seeing it's like, it's almost like psychic, except it's a malfunctioning brain where it's like I see the person they're doing a thing, and I can't remember what it is. Do you think that on the set of? Uh... I think DS9. it might have been Seinfeld. He was a he was a, a doorman in Seinfeld. But it's... do you think on the set of DS Nine, yeah. Weinrich Colby and Avery Brooks ever reminisced about Spencer for Hire? Oh, interesting. Probably they had to, right. They had sure. To. Yeah, people are always. I bet you they gossiped. I'll go one <laughs> further. I bet you they gossiped. Analyze the nitrium content. Of this guy was a doctor in Rocky Five. He was on a Chandling show. Gary Shandling show. Ah. Oh, here's one side. Also, side note. Mm-hmm. He was uh, in L.A. Law as Lester Mestman, which must have been a reference to Les Nesman. <laughs> a thousand percent. <laughs> so snotty. There's none present in the residue either. According to the mass spectrometer, the elements in the residue have been broken down into simpler molecular structures. That would suggest the nitrium has been organically metabolized. Maybe that's it, Data. If a living organism ingested the nitrium, this residue would be the waste left behind. Are we still talking about the goo over here? (laughs) Something's eating away at the nitrium. Have you figured out what making the goo? Is it gooey? (laughs) Sir. That should be. We should steal that as a sound clip. Just Alexander <laughs> laughing at our terrible jokes. Yeah. So, <laughs> when you do 
doing? What is that noise? Ha! It's my laughing hour. Ha! I like that. that even enough, to please. express joy, Alexander it finds a way to make it annoying. Hour. Eat. Ha! I promised to meet Mrs. Troy for another lesson in happy wisdom. Ha! Will you stop doing that, please? Ha! I feel like. Dwarf for a Klingon or any parent is the most patient of parents. <laughs> uh, I mean, what do you do in that case? I guess you take the dinner away. Yeah. And send him to his room? You know what you could do? You could, uh, if you got an unruly child, you could yep. just... Uh, and And access to the brig? Uh, I'm saying uh, just hold them in the uh, in the transporter buffer <laughs> <laughs> until you you're ready to deal with them again. <laughs> then you forget they're in there for like I don't know a year and a half. You beam them out. They're maybe the same age. Maybe that's where Alexander is when we don't see him. <laughs> <laughs> He's in the transporter buffer. Your food, wisdom will wait. I assure you. I promised. Should I break my promise, Father? A Klingon never breaks his word. Where are you going? You said no Klingon ever breaks his word. It's the first duty of every now. Klingon officer. Now, just <laughs> sit down and eat. I don't understand, Father. You're confusing me. Understand later. Just eat. Father? The higher, the fewer. <laughs> What does that mean? It doesn't mean anything. What does that get? The yellow computer, guy said it. Computer, lock out Alexander Roshenko from this arc of orders, please. <laughs> also the bridge. I just don't ever want to see him again. He just broke that Brussels sprout, really. I don't wish to be authoritative, my dear, but Master Erko says that now is our proper time for discussion of certain details. Oh, well, I certainly don't want to be considered anti-Urko, dear, but I did promise Alexander one more holodeck trip. Come along, my little love. Surely there'll be uh, other occasions for you to spend time with the boy. Oh, my goodness, Campio. You and I are going to have the rest of our lives. I'll tell you what, um, I'll be back here with you in one hour exactly, all right? Minister. The woman should not be addressing you in the familiar. Uh, hmm. oh. Mother, we have to talk. Yes, we certainly do, dear, but not just now. Uh, well, how, um, how, how, how do I address him? Mother, we've come for Alexander. Uh, please forgive the intrusion. Preferably, he should be called by his ministerial title. Ah, I'll remember. Oh, um, Mr. Hom. Uh, yeah, you make sure that everyone is is comfortable until we get back. I feel and like they went a little the, heavy uh, on uh, Mr. Hom's uh, gray-blue face makeup <laughs> in this episode. Yeah, it's a little, uh, it's certainly bluer than normal. Maybe, maybe that's just maybe, the maybe color they're using a different timing. color corrector. I don't know. Yeah, maybe they color timed it weird. Anyway, this scene's boring. <laughs> now let's jump back over to Data and LaForge. <laughs> They see the sparkles. Finally, they see the sparkles. They see the sparkles. We've seen the sparkles, but they haven't seen the sparkles. What if Data just had like a, you know, one of those old timey dog catcher nets and caught the sparkles? <laughs> Got it. 
they, oh there God. must have been some discussion in the writer's room about flipping the stories realizing how boring this this episode was and then deciding to open it with that exciting scene <laughs> realizing yeah, they had no guess. action in the rest of the show i mean this is it's really awful about to be a bride you know that man you're gonna marry mm-hmm. he would never come and take a mud bath would he oh he might probably not You know, maybe this would be a good time to get one of those little people that live inside of you to to come out and tell you what to do or help you or something. Alexander, what are you talking about? I'm sorry. No. No. Don't you dare be sorry. <laughs> it's kind of like they're they're having a hug about being the side characters the worst characters (laughs) (laughs) no we'll stand by each other although i do have to say i I will give i will give majel barrett this the this usually i find this character completely just frustrating and annoying and taking up space and obviously i know that the comedic point of her is that she is supposed to be annoying but i find her to be very good in this episode and not that grating it doesn't help because i still don't want to spend time with this character but i think she's doing a good job and they yeah. and it's subtler in this episode and there are more levels let's see what the side characters think about the goo finally we've got alexander and waxana to think about the goo What's wrong? Uh, uh, fyi alexander. why yeah. is the juggler in the background juggling nothing because he lost his, he lost. Oh, his he world. lost the thing, right? That's been said. Yeah, yeah. Let's Sorry. Help everybody My fault. For us. Once we saw that photonic trail moving through the wall, we realized we must be dealing with a metal parasite of some kind. We believe the parasites came through the ship's hull after we destroyed the asteroid near Tessin Three. They're attacking anything other than nitrium alloy. No, sir. Not that we can tell, but we've got nitrium everywhere. By the way, this is about when I checked the time to see how much time I had left. And I was just like, oh, my God. This is like another 10 minutes? This is endless. (laughs) (laughs) Ventilation, the engines, even the dilithium chamber. Mr. Data, the asteroid we destroyed, that was rich in nitrium. Aye, sir. And that asteroid came from the Polaris field. If the rest of that field is rich in nitrium, it would make a natural feeding ground. We should think about going back there. Parasites could possibly be lured back to the asteroids for a meal that's more appealing than we are. Mr. Data, how long to the field? At warp nine, five hours, 20 minutes, sir. To guard the bridge. Riker here, sir. Set a course for the Pelorus asteroid field, warp nine. Aye, sir. Captain, with our sensors unable to detect the parasites, and given the speed with which they appear to be moving through the ship... We may not have five hours, 20 minutes. I'm aware of that. How can we slow them down? In several cases, an exanogen gas barrier has been known to slow the progress of metal parasites. They don't like cold, eh? Make it so. But they live in space? The problem is... <laughs> <laughs> what? Finding them. As soon as we spot an energy fluctuation, they've already consumed all the nitrogen and have moved on. Primary power systems are going down. I've rerouted to the secondary generators. Inform the bridge. Mr. Data with me. We're going to go goo hunting. Mr. Data's only with him because they need him to open the door. Bridge. They need a what? 
They need an out for him to get out of the turbulence. Any suggestions yeah. as to how we could encourage the parasites to leave the ship once we reach the Polaris field? We could ask it. If we reconfigure a particle beam with a high concentration of nitrium. Or we could play this episode for them. <laughs> they would instantly fall asleep and we'll scoop them up and the throw edge. them out into space. <laughs> Here, take Boats, a net. Let's go. <laughs> like a trail of breadcrumbs. Very well. Use one of the dishes. <laughs> Turbulent velocity is beginning to fluctuate, Captain. Computer, halt at next level. Computer, acknowledge. You know, Dan, I was once trapped in here with three children. <laughs> Let me tell you the whole story. I my crawled. retelling will be more interesting than what's actually going you on. Reach the bridge, sir. I hurt my leg, you see, and sang Frere Jaca. Report number one. Ventilation and life support are failing at random spots all over the ship. Captain, we have dropped to warp 5.7. The car to engineering. LaForge here. What's happening, Miss LaForge? We're losing speed. The parasites must have gotten into the primary warp controllers, Captain. Trying to do a bypass patch to isolate the backup controllers, but it looks like warp six is about the best I'm gonna be able to give you. At that speed, Miss LaForge, there won't be a ship left to reach the Polaris field. Well, do what you have to. Working on it, sir. I mean, at some point, they gotta abandon ship. You think so? Well, look... They don't do it because they have data. If this was a ship that didn't have data, you're abandoning ship. You have to. Couldn't you have programmed the ship itself to do what data does? Theoretically, right? I thought that too. But with the ship's systems going bonkers all over the place, there's no guarantee that it's going to get done. That's a good point. Um, uh, Another issue is um, before this... They're saying, well, we have to get there as fast as we can. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we're all going to die. And he says, warp nine. <laughs> I'm thinking, isn't this one of those moments where you should go and warp 9.65? <laughs> is this a classic <laughs> maximum warp situation? You've said it before. Say it again. Captain, we're you, losing Do you mean warp 9.65, sir? <laughs> No, no, I said nine. Number one, do you need your ears cleaned out? Have you got some of that goo in there? (laughs) No, it's just we can go a little bit faster, you know. Nope, warp nine. Good day. (laughs) All right. I'm taking the android into the elevator. (laughs) No. (laughs) 11 and 12. Mr. Wolf, have security evacuate all personnel from those decks. Hi, sir. I love, I love sweaty LaForge. (laughs) Yeah. Engineering the bridge. We've got warp is this the sweatiest episode but I don't know of TNG? Definitely I mean, not of TOS. Certainly up there. Much more coaxing we can do here. We need more speed than that, Commander. The matter antimatter injectors are failing. I'm rerouting the secondary injector power now. Also, the air condition has failed all over the ship. What's the antimatter containment for any system failure? That's. Jack Courtney, right? She's in everything. She's in all the episodes. Atmospheric systems are down 27%. We're going below tolerable oxygen limits. Did I say the name wrong? I'm sorry, Andy. I did not hear a word over the clip. I think I... Let me see. What is the name? Sorry. 
I mean, I'm assuming maybe everyone else heard it because it was coming through your microphone and not into my ears via double, your computer. Double checking the name. Hang on a second. What are you checking? Uh, I can't find it now. Where is it? Hello? Sorry. Hello, can you hear me? Yes. What are you checking? There is an extra that is in every episode. Or in, in tons in of... all of them? Not in all of them, but she's... A couple of them. The, the woman that got picked up off the floor. That's I've seen the her, one I'm saying. I've I seen think, her die. I think her name is Jai. Oh, really? In a prior yeah. episode or a later episode? Spoiler. In uh, earlier episodes. Oh, you've seen her die in earlier episodes. Crazy. Isn't she the one that gets caught in the floor? I don't think so. Hmm. Could be wrong. Oh, well, whatever. Yep. Uh, um, I can't find her name now. Okay. Let's evacuate decks 20 through 24, Captain. Make it so. Shut down life support to those decks. Direct all evacuees to decks 9 and 10. By the way, this is my job uh, on set on the Goldbergs and Andy's job over at Schooled question i've been asked this season at least three times uh-huh. how sweaty do you want them <laughs> really what was what were the circumstances you know it's like barry's been running all over campus i see he's I written see. his coming in uh, sweaty how sweaty right. how wet do i want him yeah and then i then have to stand there and watch troy get sprayed and go a mm, little more a little more that, that's yep. what there That's it is. what Matt does on set. <laughs> it's literally so. When I watched this, I was like, "Oh, some me had to sit there and go too wet, too wet." Yep, there it is. Divert emergency life support to those. And it was also like the decision had to be made of like, is Riker wetter than Picard? Is Picard sweating more? Who's sweating the most? Thanks, sir. <laughs> Time to asteroid field. If we maintain our current speed, two hours twenty-three minutes, sir. Mr. Data, the rest of us may lose consciousness. If we do, it will be your job to execute the plan as discussed. Aye, sir. I sir. Can I wear your uniform my, uh, when you all? My thing I was trying uh, to figure out was, what's the, up? The uh, the character's name is Jay. She has she has a name, and her the actress's name is Tracy Lee Coco, and uh, the one that's picked up off the floor that possibly died in other episodes and uh i was mixing her name up because her, her character's name is jay with jai courtney who was in terminator genesis <laughs> it's an australian you said jai courtney yes jai courtney is so incredibly bland yeah he's one of those he's one of those actors that's in that's incredibly successful and in those movies um, he's one of those actors indistinguishable who from the other guys. Hollywood are, goes. Mm, it's like handsome white guys. Guess I guess we'll still try with him. Yeah. when you were saying Jai Courtney I was pitching that Data would ask Picard if when everybody passed out if he could put on the captain's uniform (laughs) (laughs) 
This is one of those episodes also. Yeah. And you know, it doesn't bump me most of the time. I think it's it's a thing that people comment on on data basically being, you know, like a superhero that's that's on the on the crew and therefore they solve the problems with data. And most mm-hmm. of the time it doesn't bother me. It feels like it's usually organic. In this one it feels like it's just like, oh, and data saves everybody. Also, you know what? Why not show us the actual toll? Why not show us Loxana and Alexander struggling? Good point. They're probably like in the mud bath, the just dying. Instead, they just see the goo and leave the holodeck. Yep. But also, I think it's very funny how quickly people get up and are totally fine on this. Yep. Computer, transfer power from warp engines to life support. Transfer complete. Activate Bossard Collector. Activated. Breach of dilithium chamber in 40 seconds. Reconfigure hydrogen plasma mixture to include 30% nitrium. Mixture complete. We're out of nitrium. The thing ate it all. Bitter beam (laughs) heading 042 mark 021. Structural integrity of the dilithium chamber is at 28% and holding. Mr. Data, the plan was... <laughs> I like how he's totally... Everyone's all sweaty and he's like, what's up? Successful, sir. <laughs> well done. Mr. Wolf. Coordinator... Sir, how about that promotion? No, Mr. Data. Teams of Dr. Crush and Commander Forge. Sorry, you're still not ready. Someday. <laughs> Assess damage and injury. Hi, sir. Captain like, Worf isn't that sweaty. I guess Klingons like the heat? I don't know. They didn't want to get Temporary repairs to the ship have been completed. Our attention now turns to matters of a more festive nature. It'll be funny if we say festive and cut to the least festive-looking person. (laughs) Who are these randos in 10 Forward uh, just hanging out at the wedding? I do not know. Also, there's a shot of Beverly, and that's the point. I was like, oh, my God, Beverly hasn't had a single line in this episode while all this nonsense has been going on. And also, there's there's some weirdo behind her. Yes, I noticed that too. That I was what it's like yeah, he was Mary, so prominently guy. like situated that, that I wondered if he was like the guy in clues who you're gonna find out was like he's one of our main <laughs> characters we're pretending. Or if what also he seems to be only an ensign and he seems very old for being an ensign. Yeah. Oh good good eye. Mr. Hobbs makeup looks weird again. Also like they why isn't everybody in their dress uniform? Oh, good point. I like how Jordy's like, nothing I haven't seen before. I've got this visor. <laughs> well, as we all know, he's not interested in the human body. <laughs> I, I Although that know. guy has a real weird look they chose to linger on. He doesn't even I, look like he's into it or not into it. He looks <laughs> like he's processing like data. <laughs> I think that he's the seventh extra they put back there. Every other extra was giving it way too much. Yeah. So instead of, because he probably had to like fill a hole that would reveal that the set wasn't fully dressed, so they had to keep an extra there. Yeah. And they just went with 
no reaction. <laughs> Everyone else was like, oh my. <laughs> Everyone else reacted like the waitress in the bar of Terminator 2 when Schwarzenegger walks in naked. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's a lieutenant junior grade. What? I don't know. You said something. I was saying something about Alexander that they like make it into a cute moment. I think it's weird. I think it is cute. Well, you came from a much freer background. You and your hippie parents, Marion. <laughs> well, look, I think it. I think it's like. What's your father's name? John. John. Uh, I think it's as. I think nudity, you know, I think it's uh, it's an evolved society. Uh-huh. They don't care. You know. Some that, of them are a little I don't sheepish. think that's accurate to how they've acted. Certainly not Picard. Well, Picard's the one who's, like, hitting the gym in Nemesis because he's going to be naked at the Betazoid wedding. I don't remember that part. What? I don't remember that part. Oh. They're all going... Troy and Riker are also having a Betazoid wedding. Where yeah. they're all going to be naked. Gotcha. Including Worf. Okay. Worf's like, oh, I don't think it would be appropriate for an officer. And then Picard's like, we will all be participating in the wedding in the Betazoid tradition. I'm going to go hit the gym. <laughs> <laughs> Which in and of itself says, we're evolved, but we're not evolved because I still got to go work out. <laughs> That's true. Infamous! We must leave immediately! <laughs> what a weird line. Infamous! Yes. Infamous! Yes. It's a, it's a weird line for a weird episode. <sighs> ah, now a normal ending. All of them in a mud bath together. <laughs> Isn't it wonderful how things worked out, Alexander? I wanted to teach you how to grab the joys of living. And you turned around and uh, and taught me to not let go of them. I'm very mutual. We still have to learn how to live in the real world, Mother. All of us. She's absolutely right, Alexander. She still kept her like, wedding hair. It seems like they're all trying to pile on what they thought the episode was about. <laughs> This is a great sight gag. I'll give him this. You're just supposed to sit here. Do you think they did that because they were just like, we have not ever ha- shown a shirtless Klingon. We don't want to open the can of worms of what a Klingon abdomen or chest looks like. Uh, I mean... If it has like a ridge or they were possibly, just like... Possibly, yeah, or it could just be his, that they neck. were like, oh, we can't, we can't start getting into spending time in production on building that, <laughs> so... Did they, they didn't, they must have shown something when they did surgery on him. They had his back, you know, with all those ridges. Oh, right, right, but not the front. Right, because they were doing back surgery. Yeah. Anyway, good God, I can't believe it's finally over. <laughs> Our, our, our long national nightmare has ended, and with that, 
Here we go. Well, it's the MVC. Yeah, the MVC. Get over there. Data. Uh huh. <laughs> Double for data. We did I mean, it, everyone. I guess everybody does different things. You know, but Picard does come up with the the different concepts of what to do. Also, you could argue if you want to include the, the asteroid at the beginning, he's the one that figures out how to destroy the asteroid. Does he figure out how to destroy this thing? Or is that data? It's data, isn't it? No, it's Picard. Oh, all right. So, could do a split ski. Yep, but we're not because it's clearly data. <laughs> okay. They all die otherwise. <laughs> all right, fair enough. Well, it's the MVC. No, he's doing the wrong one. Yeah, the MVC. Only Matt. Matt, you're doing the wrong one. Why? That's another MVC one. Oh, I was just like into listening to the whole thing. I really was like over here. <laughs> you really were vibing on it. I was listening. I was like, yeah. And I was like, <laughs> I felt good about myself because I picked the one that was season four forward. And uh, that being said, eh, I, I fucked up again. How you know many Andy's does this episode get? Nobody, it's okay. <laughs> He's so forgiving. I can't believe Andy it. Andy needs a girlfriend. <laughs> Uh, I want you to you guys don't realize that's who you're dealing with on this podcast. <laughs> that's who we both are right there. <laughs> um, what do you say, buddy? Uh, I'm fluctuating between a one and a two. Uh-huh. Uh, it gets a one. Yeah. I mean, in my heart of hearts, <laughs> I want to give it a zero. Hang on. Hang on. It's getting actually a 1.5. Because... I think we're going to play sound. Yeah. No, Why? because the Sea Runner yeah. is interesting. See, I don't even find the Sea Runner that interesting. But I'll tell you this. I want to give it a zero just because the crime, the story crime of that you're telling the whole story about these two characters that shouldn't, that, that should not be the the central characters of a story and that there's no other interesting aspect to it that the that the the sea runner to me is not interesting it really feels like a zero to me but that being said they do do a good job of handling the luxana character and the speech he gives in the middle is actually pretty poignant and and makes valid points about aging and um and feeling obsolete and um and valuing yourself and uh and so i thought that was valuable <sighs> so you're giving her 1.5 huh yeah the 0.5 is for the two jumpsuits that yeah. uh data and uh i'm giving it a one in. there it is everybody now andy it's time to take a look at the trailer for next week's episode the perfect mate i sent you the link should okay. be available to you And when you say, whoa, sorry, let me know and we'll hit play. Ready. All right. And uh, three, two, one, play. A beautiful seductress comes to life. Kamala is the key to peace between our two worlds. A woman destined to end years of war. You learn so quickly what stimulates a man. And determined to satisfy forbidden desires. Don't do this. This, this you do with men. 
But will Picard sacrifice peace for passion? Did you ask me to stay and ask two armies to keep fighting? On Star Trek The Next Generation. I can tell you two things. <laughs> yeah. One, uh, it's Famke Jansen, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and two, it's I've Famke. seen this episode. It's yes. Famke Janssen. Famke Janssen. Come Sorry. on. Come on, uh, Andy. I've seen this episode, so that's hilarious. So you can get ready to play your Andy Needs a Girlfriend. Because <laughs> I've seen this episode, I'm sure, because I was like, I got to see other things that this lady's in. And then watch that episode. Um... Because he's so beautiful. And also, Dr. Hewer's in it from Buck Rogers. Yeah. This is uh, this is four years before Goldeneye found yeah. Beyonce in this. Um, yeah. I guess that really, that really does it. It really does. Next week's episode. I don't remember even. I don't like it. I don't remember liking it. Is she so. a... A thing, mm-hmm. one of those things. She a no. thing, one of those things. No, 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 she's not. No, she's not. She, a, isn't she? If if I remember correctly, and we'll yeah. see if I'm right. This is fun. This is a fun segment where <laughs> I Matt tries to remember the episode. That is a fun. We should have that segment. What does Matt remember about the episode? If I remember correctly, she uh-huh. is a pre. Like she's an. She's a female that's like raised in some sort of uh, isolation that has the ability to become the perfect mate to the first male that she lays her eyes on. And it I believe it is accidentally Patrick Stewart in this episode. <laughs> Thusly undoing all of her need to be the perfect mate for whoever she was supposed to be intended for to become to end the hostility between the two cultures if i remember correctly are you sure you're not remembering a three's company episode (laughs) well you see jack was (laughs) always supposed to be gay around mr roper Uh uh uh-huh yeah but sometimes because he was such a ladies man in real life uh it would spill over and he'd have to pretend that they were just his friends (laughs) sounds great uh, I would watch uh, an episode of Star Trek that was just Three's Company. Sure. Okay. Instead of the Regal Beagle, everything's in 10 forward. That's that's it. Okay. Spencer for Hire. Everyone check it out. I hope you're enjoying yourselves in this time. Stay, <laughs> stay cool. We'll see you next week. Uh, patrons uh, later this week. Uh, you'll get uh, what do we put out first? Andy Voyager, disco, I disco. I lied. Oh shit! I gotta watch two Generally things tomorrow. It's been disco, then yeah. uh, disco, then Marvel. No, I think right? disco then. Oh yeah, disco. Was it not Marvel? Yes, disco That's then the Marvel, order. then disco, Enterprise, Marvel, then Voyager. Enterprise, Voyager. So yeah. if you're a patron, look out. Episodes are coming. Otherwise, we'll see you next week for the perfect mate. Disengage. Andy needs a girlfriend. I play the contact thing afterwards. Don't worry, Andy. Follow Star Trek The Next Conversation on social media. You can find them on Instagram and Twitter at Star Trek TNC. On Facebook, search for Star Trek TNC and join the face group. 
Send comments, questions, prime correctives, and anything else to sttncpod at gmail.com. And if you'd like to leave a voice hail, call 816-TREK-TNC. That's 816-873-5862. For callers outside of the United States, use country code PLUS1. And don't worry, no one answers the phone. It's only for messages. If you've got something to mail to Matt or Andy, send it to Andrew Secunda, P.O. Box 46898, Los Angeles, California, 90046. And please send an email to let them know that something is coming. Finally, to support the podcast and get even more content, visit patreon.com forward slash Star Trek TNC. Be a lieutenant for only $5 per month or join the President Circle for $17.01 per month.